Good morning, Sterling College. It's great to be with you today. No, I'm not your speaker, but I get to introduce our speaker today. Um, my name is Tony Erweller. I actually graduated from Sterling College 23 years ago, so I've sat in those same seats that you're sitting in today. Um, my wife's and my plan 23 years ago was to move back to Nebraska, where we grew up. But God, yes, I see a couple of fist bumps, good. Um, but God had other plans, and there's times that I thought, okay, God, why did you have us here? <clears throat> but I truly believe that God's plan is better than our plan, than anything we can come up with. And we had the privilege of raising four kids here in central Kansas, and um, Maria is a senior here. Dawson's a junior who's going to be speaking, sorry, he's a sophomore, who's going to be speaking here uh, momentarily. And Morgan will be going to Sterling College here next year. So I've told Dr. Rich that if I could buy stock in the college, that would be great because we're pouring a lot of money in here. But um, we are thankful that our kids are able to get here. So like I said, I get to introduce our speaker, um, somebody that I know very well. A couple things that you may not know about him. Um, as a kid, um, my son was very naughty. So if you know him, he's very well behaved now, good. But he was very naughty. He was the kid that would always get out of bed every single night, and he'd get multiple spankings every single night. Um, he was just bad. And then he'd hear me coming, and he'd run and jump in his crib and act like he's sleeping. Well, that's, I knew he wasn't doing that, but his heart wasn't right with the Lord. I get it. He was little. I understand that. He was also the kid that, um, you know, if you remember when you were little and your parents would say, look at me, and he'd be like this. Well, how am I supposed to take him seriously? So I'd hold him like trying not to laugh, right? Or he would be just so aggressive and so out of control as a toddler and five-year-old, and he would just be sitting on my lap, and he would just be so intense, and he just head-bonked me. He's like, golly, what are you doing? But just out of control. As he grew up, um, he wasn't a bad kid in, in school, but again, just a testament of how God has worked in his, in his life and um, truly given his life over to him. Um, let's see. I appreciate something about Dawson, that his love for the Lord um, if you know him, he is in biblical studies right now. I'm learning under some of your Bible teachers here. Um, he tells us stories about that, and I'm very thankful for him. Um, let's see. What else? I think that's it. So it is my pleasure to welcome to the stage my son, Dawson Erweller. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for Dawson. Thank you for what he means to our family and um, for what he means more importantly to you. Lord, I thank you that he's given his life over to you and he truly wants to serve you. I pray that uh, you'd speak with him uh, through him today and uh, the words that you've given him. And may we, as the Bible says, not be hearers of the word, but doers also, so as we hear it, but to apply it to our lives. Love you. Thank you. Amen. Well, thanks, Dad. Really appreciate that. <clears throat> and he's, he's a big reason that I'm up here. You know, my family played a huge role in, in guiding me into the truth. They had the Bible, they were Christians, and they taught me first what it meant to be a believer. So thank you, guys. Our passage today, it'll be up on the screen. It'll be Luke 6, 39 and 40. So you can pull it up if you want to. But it's Luke 6, 39 and 40. That says, and he, Jesus, also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? 
Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. There are two blind people here. There is a person who is leading another blind person, and there is a person who is following another blind person. Not all of us lead other people, but every single one of us follows someone else, whether that's conscious or unconscious, whether we're following what our parents taught us, whether we're following what our friends guide, whether we're following what Christ says, we're all following someone. But the problem is, we're following them blind. We are blind. We are blind. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this life that we are living. I'm talking about how we, we try to live the best life we can. We all, we all understand that we are only guaranteed this one life. We're all sitting in here right now alive. And, and we have this time to use. We want to use it to the best as we, the best we can. We're all trying to live the best life. But, yeah, so that's, that's why everyone tells you in high school, enjoy this time, make the best of it. You're only in high school once. And now we hear, enjoy this time, make, a, make the best of it. You're only in college once. And that's true. I think all of us recognize that we want to make the best of our time. But the problem is, we're blind. We don't know how to make the best of it. We don't know the best way to go about living the best life. So I'm going to ask you a question. This is the question. How do you know that you're doing it right? What is the right life to live? We all have an answer for that question. Whether we really are sure about our answer or not, we all have an answer to what we're trying to live for what the best way to live this life is. You're all sitting here either because you know me personally or because you need a chapel credit. Okay, so you have determined that this decision of sitting here today is the best decision for your life right now. And, and, and so some of the things that we believe that we live for are good. But some of the things that we live for are bad. The only reason that any of us can live the true good life is because God revealed it to us through the gospel, through his word. So let me tell you something. We don't naturally know what the best life is. But God revealed that to us. So we are blind, but God is not. We are blind about how to live the best life, but God is not. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? We are naturally blind to the right way of living this life. We are naturally blind to the right way to find eternal life. Because we don't inherently know the right way to live, we try to find it. How do we find it? Well, we try to find other people who we think are living a good life, and we try to emulate them. So, maybe you're following your family. Maybe your family generally teaches that you should go to college, get a good career, make a healthy living, and retire well. But how do they know that's the best way to live? 
Maybe you're following your friends. Maybe you are agreeing and, and learning what they believe politically or socially or spiritually, and you're following what they believe. But how do they know what the best life is? Maybe you try to follow yourself. Maybe you try to be a good person and be kind to people. Or maybe you try to do everything that makes you feel good, whether that's sex, drugs, getting high. But how do you know that that's the best way to live? Now, some of these things I listed are good. Getting educated, having a group of people around you. These are good things. But there are still bad things that are incorporated in that. So whatever philosophy we're following, if it's not from God, it will have good and it will have bad. And if it has, if it has any bad, that is sinful and that separates us from God. So some of the things we follow are good and some are bad. A blind man cannot lead a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into the pit? If we're blind people, then we are following all of these, then we are just following other blind people. So, what's the pit that we're falling into? If we're following humans' teachings, there will be good and bad. But that means that the teaching is imperfect. If we live any short, if we live any life short of the perfect one, we will be led into sin. A couple ways that we can fall into sin is by bad company. Proverbs 16.29 says, Wickedness loves company and leads others into sin. If we're surrounded by people who are not believers, we will be led into sin. And then also, the devil in 1 Peter, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So the devil is after each and every single one of us. He wants us to sin, and he's actively trying to get us to sin. And then there's also the flesh. Romans says this, For the mind set on the flesh is death. And the flesh is just our, the sinful part of ourselves, basically. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If we're not pleasing God, that means that we're in sin. In our blindness, we will sin. So the pit has two sides of the coin. One side of the coin is sin. The other side is death. In our blindness, we will sin. And when we sin, we will die. The end of James 1.15 says, And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So some of the teachings that we follow have good things, but they will also inevitably teach bad things, which lead to sin and death. And that is not the right way to live according to God. So let's pause. We just talked about the first verse. We are blind people who do not know how to navigate and live the best life. We all understand that we make mistakes. We all understand that we're not doing it perfect. So we try to follow other people's ideas to live the best life. <clears throat> but because everyone else is just as blind as us, we ultimately will find sin and death. Now I want to talk about the second verse, Luke 6:40. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. When you start a new job, you go through a training period. When I was about 15, I got hired onto a, 
onto uh, a restaurant, and I worked as a server. But I didn't know how to serve people, so I was appointed a trainer. So I followed this middle-aged lady around the store for about a week, and after the training was done, I learned how to be a server. I became like her. I became, um, I, I learned the way to take an order, to prepare the food, to serve the food. I became like her, even though I wasn't her. In a similar way, we are all born into certain life situations. We're born into certain family units or communities, and we don't get to choose those. We get brought up and we are taught certain things by these families or communities. When our training is complete and we grow up, we will be like our teachers. We will be like the people that taught us. So we can go back to those families, back to those communities, and we can generally fit in because we became like them. But now that we spend most of our time out of those houses, we're on campus, we get to choose who our teachers are a little bit more. If I choose to hang out with five people 24 hours for the next three years, I'm going to end up becoming a lot like them. We're going to talk the same, we're going to act the same, we're going to have a lot of the same mannerisms, and we're going to think the same. We won't be the same people, but we will be very similar. Or maybe, maybe I'm going into this life and I want to live a really, a really good life that really helps people. So maybe I pick a mentor even if he's passed now. So let's say I pick MLK to be my mentor, and I want to follow what he did. If you do that, you will likely become a very good person. You will likely become a very justice-oriented person, which is a great thing. But the thing is, if we set our eyes to become like a certain person, just a certain human, that is a cap that we can reach. MLK was a sinner just like us. So even if we become just like him, we will still be sinners. We won't be living the perfect life. So the person that we choose to follow will cap our potential. So I think it probably, you might be seeing where I'm going with this, because there's only one person who lived a perfect life. There's only one person who lived a sinless life, and that was Jesus. You might say, I don't believe that. Or you might say, I don't care. But if we only have a few people that we can choose from to follow, whether our parents, our friends, ourselves, or if we could choose to follow Jesus, why would we choose to follow anyone less than perfection? Why would you choose anyone less than perfect to be your leader. We have the opportunity to choose Jesus as our king, as our leader. He showed us the way to live the perfect life. No one else did that. And he proved it by coming back alive after he died. If you want to embody the ideals of a person, there is no better person to follow than Jesus. We don't have to follow the blind. We're all blind, but God is not. We are blind. God is not. Folks, these, these two verses make it really clear to me that there's only one person that should be followed. That's not to say that other people don't teach true things. We're in college because 
people know more than us and we want to learn from them. We can learn good things. But to live the best life, we have to look at the person who lived the best life possible. Why would I listen to a why would I listen to football advice from, from, from someone who got cut from his middle school team and never watched football again? Why would I take advice from someone who sings in a choir, but they're really bad? Jesus is the only one who lived the perfect life. So he is the only one qualified to give us perfect instructions on how to live. He is the only one who is not blind. Sometimes we act like we think we know more than God. We act like we have a better moral compass than God. We might say, oh, that Bible that was written, that was thousands of years ago. It doesn't apply now. God is alive now. And he knew that now would exist. He wrote the Bible in order that it could be useful to us now. Sure, some of us might say, God said, not lie, but I can if I need to. Or we might say, God said, sex is only for the, mar- the, for the married man and woman, but I think I know better. I can do it whenever I want with whoever I want. I know that's tempting to try to disregard what God said for our own pleasures. I lived like that for years. Even though I was a Christian, I became a Christian at a young age, I listened to the teaching of pornography that said, it's worth it, even if it's wrong. Sin is never worth it. We follow blind guides if it's not Jesus. I believe that the Bible contains absolute truth. It is the word of God. Through dozens of human authors, God directed that book to be written perfectly so that we may know the truth so that we may know God, so that we may be able to live the best life, so that we can have abundant life, life that never ends. Do you want to know God? Maybe not. Maybe maybe you really don't care. I'm sorry about that. Maybe you come in here to chapel because you have to. Or maybe you really are a Christian. Maybe you really have been saved, but you haven't been living like it for a while. I still live like that sometimes. No matter what your situation is, you and me, all of us, individually and collectively, God does not want us to stay blind. He wants us to know the path of life. He wants us to know the truth about the best life that can be lived. He wants us to become like him, the teacher. Jesus was the only person who lived the perfect life, died, descended to the place of the dead, came back to life, and ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father. Because he lived that life, because he did that, we can know that he's right about everything else, and we're not. He is the only one qualified to show us the perfect way of life. We are blind, God is not. This means that God is right about all all aspects of life. Jesus came to give sight to the blind. He came and showed us the way to live this life. How does he say we should live our lives? 
Jesus says we should be gentle. He says we should hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus says that we should be peacemakers. Jesus says that we're not supposed to have sex with someone we're not married to. We're supposed to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Matthew 12, 36 says, But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they, will be, they, will, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. Our words matter. Whether that's in everyday use, or on the field, or in a theater production, what we say, what comes out of our mouths, always matters. He wants us to live a pure life in all aspects of life. Jesus is right about that. Jesus cares about our eternal destiny. He does. He died to prove that. But he also cares so much about how we live this life now. He wants to be the teacher that we can follow and become like. Isaiah 1, 16 through 17 says, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, obtain justice for the orphan, plead for the widow's case. That's a lot. I'm on this journey to love God and love others. That is only possible because I have faith in Jesus, that he gave me the gift of salvation that I didn't deserve. So Christians, don't sell yourself short. Don't let your neighbor be the standard by which you measure yourself, by which you measure your life. It's okay if I do blank. It's okay if I say blank because this other Christian does it. We have to follow Jesus. We are supposed to be following Christ who showed us a better, fuller way to live. Luke 6:40. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. None of us will ever become God. None of us. We will never be greater than the teacher, but we can be like him. We can have his perfection placed inside of us that changes us from the inside out. We can have the Holy Spirit given to us. The only way that we can have our eyes open from this blindness is if Jesus does it. The only way that, can be, that we can be truly free from our sin and the punishment of it is if Jesus gives us the gift of salvation. Jesus promises to give us eternal life. He promises to give us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live an entire joyful submission to God. Our eyes are opened and our new lives are handed to us when we turn from our sin and put our whole trust in Jesus daily. Because Jesus is the only one qualified to show us the best way to live our life. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for what you did. I thank you that you became human. You lived the life that we can follow, died and rose again.
I pray that we can trust you in all aspects of our life and agree that we are blind and that you know better than us. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.